Welcome to the Heavy Metal Strength Coach Podcast. Hi everyone and welcome to the Heavy Metal Strength Coach podcast. I'm the Heavy Metal Strength Coach, as you all know, and it brings me great pleasure to announce my latest guest today. It's a man called Mike Howard, who is a Vancouver-based writer, coach, youth fitness specialist and presenter with over 20 years in the industry. He's written a couple of books, he's written an ebook. And even a course on fat loss as well. And Mike can tell that I've re- um, read his about me section on his website. <laughs> but Mike, how are you, my friend? Have I missed anything out? No, I think you covered it all. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it, Chris. Uh, uh, yeah, doing well. And uh, thank you for setting this up. Um, you know, it's it's good to talk to you. I was listening to Andrew Coates' podcast. And on there, you were talking about the importance of connection and enjoying connecting with people and I know that I didn't script this um, question or anything like that but what that got me thinking about is one how important is that been for your career and two how difficult Mm. was that through COVID that must have been a real Mm. a real shock to the system yeah I mean for for an introvert it it turns out that a pandemic isn't the cure for that you know (laughs) and I I, you know I love as much as I say that I, I do love interacting with people I dearly miss you know conferences and Andrew's actually somebody that I met through a conference in the United States there. So uh, North, yeah, the Pacific Northwest, Spokane, Washington. So we met up there at the Inland Empire Fitness Conference. And yeah, no, in his career has absolutely just blown up since then. And, you know, he was great at just sort of, you know, talking to people and listening to people. And, and yeah, there, there is something to that, to that like personal connection. And Zoom has been an okay proxy. I, I find it's an okay placeholder in some ways, but yeah, there's just no, there's just nothing like sort of that in-person connectivity. And, you know, I, I'm looking forward to that first one back where we could just say, hey, you know, ask that question. How are you doing? How did you do through the, the pandemic and and whatnot? So, I, yeah, I think it's tremendously important. I mean, for me anyway, I, I yeah, I just, uh, I feel like I really need to have that in-person experience. And I'm very fortunate that I do that from a personal training standpoint, because that's still a, a lot of what I do is, is, is the one-to-one stuff. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm super grateful for that, but yeah, no, absolutely, man. I, uh, I, I definitely cannot wait to kind of get back out there and, and do some in-person stuff. Yeah, what originally drew you to the fitness industry? Yeah, I mean, I think I've always, to some extent, uh, been fascinated by the human body. Uh, I've just always been intrigued by how it works, its capabilities, what could go wrong with it to some degree. And I think originally I did want to get into the rehab end of things. And, you know, academically, it was just kind of out of my reach. Uh, But then, you know, I I, I developed a passion for just working with just the general population. And then it just kind of evolved from there. I mean, I enjoyed working with a number of different uh, age groups and in, in capabilities and uh, demographics. And I found myself working with a lot of young people at one point, and then not just young athletes, but young people that, you know, really needed the physical activity piece in their lives, ones that were, you know, struggling with weight or, um, you know, children that were on the spectrum. So that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. I still do that to some degree, but uh, yeah, and then now I've sort of doing a mix. So I've, I've done some teaching, I've done some writing, I've done, I'm doing some online coaching now but I'm continuing to to see people from a personal training standpoint so I've worn different hats within the industry and I find 
yeah, I like to do different things, but but this industry is always something that has intrigued and and that I've been um, drawn to, and I feel it, it definitely is a calling for sure, and always has been. Have you always worked under the name Lean Minded? And if not, how did that evolve? Yes, no, I have not. So originally, uh, when I branded myself, I was, it was I was called my business core concepts, and then I, I was just trying to think of something. Okay, what is something that encompasses like? You know, because uh, I, I, I really found myself using a lot of more mindset habit work, and it was less about the X's and O's, the exercise, the nutrition. It was more about developing, developing proper mindset around food and around exercise and around eating in general. So I just, yeah, I just kind of came up with, okay, lean minded, meaning like, okay, you want to, you want to think lean, you want to think in a way that's going to, um, you know, bring about results and, and bring about action. So yeah, it just kind of evolved from there. And to be quite honest, sometimes you just look at uh, domain names. Okay, what's available? Is that available? <laughs> right? And uh, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's Mike.com was taken, you know, so <laughs> it's always interesting how um, someone's company name seems to feed into their service and and what seems to happen mm. is that is a psychological side seems to becoming becoming more and more important and something that you put on social media the other day was about diets versus coping strategies and mm-hmm. i'm just wondering if we can delve into this a little bit more and at what point you start to realize that it's not about having some kind of specific diet like keto mm. or something like that and it's more about well i guess we'll explore what it's all about as we um as we explore this question but yeah i mean i think i think that's a, a pretty big one because i think you know there's a few different pieces going on here i think we live in a society where we just we want that fix we want it yesterday and we want something that's going to be easy and and accessible to us and i think that's where people sort of gravitate towards some sort of fix or solution right whether that be a dietary fix a cleanse detox that sort of thing and i i think people have a tendency to just bounce from one to another without addressing underlying causes right so they're jumping into something that's, it's very one dimensional. It's very kind of X's and O's. This is how it is. You can eat this, you can't eat that. But if we're not looking at our situation, that's precipitating, you know, overeating, uh, if we're not looking at our environment, if we're not looking at ourselves, our own tendencies, our own triggers, our own situations that are leading to us falling off the wagon to use for lack of a better term, you know, we're, we're failing to address those underlying causes and, and, and become cyclical. We just basically kind of gravitate towards what we're marketed to, right? So that might be a diet, it might be some sort of like, you know, quick fix uh, of some sort. So I think it's our, I think it's, you know, the human nature that we just want the simplest possible solution, you know, just tell us what to do. But sometimes it takes deeper work. And, you know, I've had that journey myself through, through different stages where it's just like, okay, we turn we turn to things that are going to make us feel good in the moment. But we we really need to take that deeper dive into ourselves, put up that full length mirror, however you want to put it. So yeah, I think it's really important to develop better strategies in terms of how we're coping with what life throws at us, rather than just try to throw a, a nutritional or a some sort of health fix at it. On that post, you were talking about various concepts that might help with this idea of coping strategies. And I want to kind of mm. delve into each of those in turn. And I'm, I don't know which one to pick first, but I think we'll go with 
looking inward because you've already mentioned that one so far. So when you talk about looking inward in relation to coping strategies and decision making, what is it that you mean by that? Well, I think the typical pattern with this sort of thing is, you know, we might be okay for a while, we're eating pretty well, we're, we're getting some movement in, and then something will happen and we'll just, it might be a Friday night and we might be alone and, you know, we might just be, if we had a stressful day, stressful week, you know, bosses riding us, whatever it is. And it's like, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm craving, I got to have that pizza. We just do it. We might order the pizza and then, and then we feel bad about it. And then we try to do the exact opposite. We try to just clean it our way back into things. And we don't address sort of, again, as what I was saying before, the, those underlying causes. What, what, instead of taking a step back and saying, you know what, first of all, if it happened, okay, oh, you know, that's, that's interesting, that happened. I wonder why that happened. Let's look at the situation that precipitated that. Okay, yeah, no, I did have that bad week. And, you know, it was Friday night, I felt, I was feeling kind of lonely, you know, it was just a little bit sad, maybe. I was stressed, I was, I was angry because my boss was a dick or whatever. <laughs> and, and, and that's what precipitated it. And, and, you know, that's what looking inward might look like to somebody to say, okay, you know, that's, that's interesting that I, I responded that way. I wonder if that happens again, how I could better manage that, right? In a way that doesn't involve an entire large pizza just for me. So, you know, like, yeah, just looking at what other options they might have. And it's, it's not to, you know, shame yourself around eating that, or, you know, I think we have to sort of move past it and say, okay, what can we do differently next time? What might, uh, what, where's the wedge that we can put into that process of between, okay, the, the stimulus and that response and how we respond to that process? I think um, many times, especially when a client is in the beginning stages of the coaching process, when something goes wrong, there can be many feelings of shame around mm -hmm. that, almost like it's a confessional. And when someone realizes that it is a conversation, well, hopefully it will be a conversation with that coach in order to come up with mm -hmm. those coping strategies. And it's something that's actually an opportunity. It can be a real transformational change in their mindset. And I think mm -hmm. it is such an important idea to look inward at your reactions to when things go wrong. Uh, and then mm -hmm. you can therefore put those coping strategies in place. Mm -hmm. I, I think we're on the same page. With yeah, for sure. And I think that, yeah, that self-compassion element definitely has to be there. And, you know, I say that and I, I get hard on myself. I'm sure you're hard on yourself too, in some ways. And I think that is the natural tendency, but I think, you know, if we think, okay, self-compassion first and just like, okay, if you take it easy on yourself, it, it both makes sense intuitively, but it's also backed by, you know, in the peer review research that it is a more productive way to uh, deal with, you know, falling off the wagon or, or, or some form of failure. Absolutely. And how important is getting curious to this process? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I sort of, I think I first read about the Dr. Judd Brewer. So he's written a few books on um, anxiety. So he's a, he's a psychiatrist that works with addictions. And uh, so I, I first, I, at least the idea was emphasized by him, but like, I, I think curiosity just, it, it feels inherently good and it can help quell some of these feelings of, of jitteriness or, or any of the anxiety that is surrounding whatever it is that you feel like you're, you're, you're letting yourself down with. So yeah, the inherently good feeling about curiosity, but it helps you sort of take a step back and say, okay, oh, I wonder why that happened, right? It, it, and just like, okay, yeah, I want, oh, that, that's weird. I wonder why I'm craving this specific food. Oh, isn't that funny? And you can give it a name if you wanted. Oh, you know, like what, what, 
what's this, uh, why is Bob popping up here? Like, <laughs> you know, so yeah, so I, I feel like, yeah, there's, and there's two types of curiosity uh, and Dr. Brewer talks about this as well. So there's, uh, yeah, there's two types of curiosity. So there's deprivation curiosity. So that's one that just kind of like, okay, if you, if you need to know something, you, you get that information, but once you have that information, the, the curiosity kind of dissipates, but this one's more called cur- uh, interest curiosity. So interest curiosity is essentially, it, it's open-ended and you become perpetually curious. And the more curious you are, the more you learn about yourself. And uh, it just, like I said, feels, feels much better than that looming dark cloud of uncertainty and just negativity surrounding whatever it is you feel you've failed at. The way that I like to think about it is trying to um, foster um, a fascination in the process. So I, I mm. train a lot of powerlifters, but we do train people for, for fat loss and, and general strength goals um, mm-hmm. as well. And, and you can see when a lifter or a client is going and researching it themselves and they're just rapidly taking in this information. I just wonder how mm-hmm. you distinguish between being fascinated and being curious and then being obsessed. Ah, yeah, no, and that's definitely a, a, a yeah. There's definitely a spectrum of this, right? Because I think there's a there's a danger of sort of overthinking this stuff too. And we're trying to get our clients to unlearn a lot of that too, because I think some of us have tendencies towards giving it maybe a little bit too much thought, right? So, yeah, I think curiosity, as long as it leads to something that's more in the realm of awareness. And I think through awareness is good. And then awareness can sometimes turn into a little bit of uh, veer into that area of preoccupation or otherwise obsession. So I think, yeah, it's good to get a bit of a handle on that too, where, where it's not sort of completely overwhelming your brain, right? We only have a certain amount of bandwidth and we don't want to spend it all on, you know, just, okay, let's, uh, yeah, we don't want to, we don't want to give it too much, uh, credence where we're, we're just it's on our mind all the time but we want enough of it so that it does become an awareness factor because a lot of eating is under the radar of consciousness and we want to bring consciousness to that so you know this could lead into a whole different discussions about the the merits and benefits and drawbacks of like tracking and how much you track and how much you know what's good for some people not, might not be good for other people but i think i'm a big fan of developing some form of awareness and whether that is through some form of tracking, whether that is through some sort of mindfulness exercise where you're getting curious, but I, I think it's always beneficial to be aware and to dig a little bit deeper under the surface and, and figure out the why for yourself. I love it. And how important is distraction within this whole process of not necessarily just getting leaner, but being lean minded for the rest of your life once you have achieved the goals that you have. Yeah. And I think distraction is a big part of that whole process of, you know, for example, if we look at it in a transient way and we're trying to manage craving, distraction is definitely part of that equation, but it probably comes after the acceptance part, like accepting that the craving will come, right? It's kind of like a wave. It comes, it crests, it's going to intensify. So we accept it. We're like, okay, here it is. And then we get curious about it, as we talked about before. And then once we've gotten curious about it, it's like, okay, what kind of an alternative? What, how can I distract myself? Because the thing is, it's, I mean, you've got a one-year-old and you know better than anybody that it's, it could be the end of the world for like five minutes. And you know, as a parent that you just have to get through that five minutes, right? Like, you know, it's, there's going to be an absolute meltdown 
and it's going to drive you crazy. But you know, you know, when you get to the other side of that, you're just patient for that five minutes. And there's lots of times as a parent, I wasn't, my, my kids are teenagers. They, they drive me nuts in different ways now, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so you, you know, it's cravings are, are fairly similar, right? They're like, they're like toddlers, you know, you just have to, you, you, okay, ride it out, ride it out. This is going to pass the storm's coming and it's going to go as well. And the distraction bit is kind of like, okay, well, what can I do instead? Like, I, I'm starting to think about this a lot. How can I, you know, what can I do? Can I go for a walk right now? Can I call a friend? Can I make some tea? Because if we try to strong arm our way out of it, we're going to fail most of the time, generally speaking. So it's kind of like that pink elephant example, right? I'm going to get you to think of a pink, not to think of a pink elephant. Whatever you do right now, don't think of it. What are you going to start thinking about? You know, um, so trying to trying to sort of force our way out of that thought process doesn't typically work. But if we get curious about it, we accept those those cravings as they come, and then we find a distraction. We can often sort of get past it long enough where, you know, it's not, it, it, it does pass and we don't crave it anymore. Something that I go through with my competitive clients, they're the ones that have a competition coming up, is as that goal competition comes up, I know that their decision fatigue is going to increase. I know that their decision-making abilities are going to get worse and worse as the competition approaches, and I do certain things. Mm to change what they're doing so they might take in less social media at certain points they'll stop researching the lifts so that things become subconscious um is it mm-hmm. a similar thing with around goals of um getting leaner losing weight as a goal approach is that that process can happen or is it largely different i think there's a lot of similar framework because you know both situations they're they're aiming for a particular goal and one is more sort of a performance oriented goal that requires specific sort of training protocols and rep ranges and what have you but there's there's some similarities i think with within the frame of fat loss because yeah it, it is a process and i think what you're exposing yourself to especially when it, kind of that going gets tough you're you're, you're past that initial stages for, for your clients that might be closer to competition time for my clients that might be as they draw closer to one of their, their sort of goal weights as it were. And we always, you know, for them, it's kind of, they're changing their lifestyle, but you know, let's say for example's sake, they, they, they were reaching sort of a, a weight goal or a body composition goal or, you know, dress size goal, whatever that might be. And, you know, there is that midpoint of that journey towards the, the latter point of, of hitting a milestone is definitely going to be tougher. So yeah, at that point, I think maybe you have to ramp up some of the strategies uh, around that. And I think a lot of that has to do with the environment you set yourself up and you brought up social media. Social media can provide uh, maybe a bit of a dysfunctional environment to some to some degree too, right? And, you know, because we developed that comparative mentality. But uh, I think w- when you said, you know, decision fatigue sets in, you know, you're, you're, you're losing kind of that, that willpower that you might've had earlier on in the journey. I think setting up your environment for success is super important, right? Putting wedges between you and that habit that's going to take you off course. So that just means having your household in such a way that, you know, you're, you, you've got access to healthy food, you know, maybe your couch isn't in front of the TV, you know, just, just small environmental shifts. Your, your sh- running shoes are at the front door. You have things in your immediate environment that makes it easier for you to stay on a healthy path and not veer too far off course. Cause when the, you know, when the motivation wanes and the, the willpower is drained, 
what you have left with is your environment. And if you've set yourself up, it doesn't always work, but you know, it's much easier if you don't have the stuff in your house, that's like seven steps away from your fridge, then, you know, having to, we have this social norm, we have to put on pants when we go outside, stupid rules, but you know, <laughs> but if you have to put on pants to go outside to get something at the, at the corner store, you know, like snack wise, then, you know, you, you'll be less likely to do so. Yeah. Like with all of my lifters, I tell them that as they're approaching um, towards competition, they're probably going to have a weekly moment of doubt where they're, they're doubting this whole process because it starts to get so tough and just reminding them that this is what you want to do is just such an important part of Mm. that process when someone is in those trenches of almost despair you mentioned it earlier but how important is it for someone to be self-compassionate when those Mm. moments of doubt come in and what do you mean by being self-compassionate yeah no it's a great question i think that's just treating yourself with 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 grace Right. So just being like, okay, you know what, that happened. I mean, there's a self-reflection bit and I think it's okay to sort of be like, yeah, you know what, I could have done better there. Uh, but not dwelling too much on it. Just so, you know, cause I'll have moments like, oh my gosh, like I, I, I told myself I was going to work out today or, you know, I, I had an unplanned sort of fast food run, but you know, I think it's just having a little bit of just, you know, like take a step back and say, you know what, I'm, I'm human. And I think one of my favorite things to sort of uh, go to's for that playbook is just say, okay, how would you advise a friend? So if <laughs> I was thinking about how I'd advise, you know, my best friend on something like that, I'd be like, yeah, you know what, that, that happens, dust yourself off, you'll get it next time. Uh, we don't do that to ourselves as often, and, and we should, and I'm guilty of it as well. But uh, yeah, no, I think that, yeah, that self-compassion bit is is super important, but also knowing like, you know, frustration and hitting roadblocks, hitting plateaus, that's a sign that you're doing something well. I mean, it, it sounds counterintuitive, but that moment, those points of frustration mean that you've progressed to a certain point. It means you've made headway. It just means, okay, we're bumping into something right now and, you know, it's frustrating, and, and at some point, you're, you, you know, you'll, you'll feel like you won't get past it. But I think, yeah, there's that self-compassion part, but also that, you know what, I was down here four months ago, right? And I didn't think I'd get to this point and I got frustrated here and I pushed through it to get to that. So I think remembering those victories in that as well. And, you know, everything. And, and when it comes to learning new skills, I mean, this is, it, you're, you're going to fall on your face a little bit. And when I get another exercise, I won't delve too deeply in this, but another exercise I'll get people to do. And this is more at the beginner stage sometimes when they're lacking confidence in their abilities, because maybe they've, you know, failed on a few different diets and they've tried to lose weight and haven't been able to is like, okay. And maybe your audience can, can participate in this exercise right now too, is just, okay. If you're feeling like you're, you're not able to do something like just, I'm going to get you to imagine two different things that you're really good at now. And it could be outside of the realm of fitness, but just think of two things that you do really well that you've got skill skill set in. I'm going to bet that there was a point where you weren't skilled in that, right? So you are capable of developing those skills in whatever domain it is. It just, you know, sometimes you, you hit roadblocks and 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 when people that can manage those dips, they're going to succeed. They're going to in amazing ways, right? And it might not be the exact way that they thought, but they're going to progress their health. In your case, your clients are going to progress their strength. And it's probably eye-opening when you show them, look, this is where you were, you know, six months ago. This is where you are now. Like, this is amazing. Yeah, I know you're, you know, they'll, okay, maybe their knee hurts and like, you know, it's frustrating and dealing with injury. And But 
you know, I think there's that self-compassion piece is important, but also that realization that, yeah, you know what, frustration can be a good thing. When I did that exercise that you were just saying, the, the first answer that I came was came to was worrying because that was a uh, bench press. And right. then the second one um, was empathy. And I'm much happier mm. <laughs> with that side of things because I don't think bench press is going to transfer <laughs> that much over to the whole, um, <laughs> to the coaching thing. Um, you know what? It's, it's funny, these parallels with powerlifting coaching and the mm. services that you offer. Um, something that I ask powerlifting coaches when they come on is how many competitions does an athlete need to go through before you can thoroughly understand them, understand what they go mm. through, understand their thought processes. How many mm. fat loss phases would you say you need someone to go through before you have mm. a full handle on how to handle them as an individual? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, you could look at that as phases. You could look at that as like, you know, weeks or days. And yeah, there's, there is so much variance, but I, I can say this with great conviction of that it takes a couple at least a few kicks at the can sometimes and you know they're not going to get it right right away and sometimes like you said like you have to figure out their personality you have to figure out their tendencies and that's why I'm big on like you know the journaling and you know that what I call like health you know just honesty and vulnerability right so just it, it's okay like you can trust me as your coach that if you, if something goes, if you messed up, like, I'm not going to come after you. Like, you know, that's okay. You're human, but I am going to say, okay, well, let's, let's take a look at that. Let's, let's take a look at your life and what precipitated that and how we might be able to prevent that next time. And you, you're sort of teaching them how to teach themselves, how to treat themselves in a way like with self-compassion, right? We, we bring that up again, but um, yeah, no, sometimes it takes kicks, you know, different kicks that you can. And you know what, Chris, I'll have a guy that, man, he just, he wasn't getting it done. And, you know, I coached him for like three months, four months, and he just kept doing this up and down. And I got a call from him. I want to say it was about six months later, just out of the blue, completely. I, I'd sort of lost touch with him. And he just, yeah, Mike, I just wanted to tell you, I've lost 50 pounds. And it's like, oh my gosh, really? That's amazing. I mean, he's like, yeah, no, he said, you know, I, I was just at a point in my life when we were, when we were working together, because I take that sort of thing personally to a, to a large degree, if they're not succeeding under my watch, but he just, <laughs> you know, you never know what, what, what seeds you plant. And, and sometimes, you know, it might be a year later, it might be six months later, but he said, yeah, what you were telling me it finally sunk in, you know, I took those, I was ready for it then. And yeah, maybe they weren't ready for it now. So, and I think we have to be easier on ourselves as coaches too, when our clients maybe don't succeed the way we want them to, but yeah, no, I think it's normal and we have to normalize that this process is anything but linear. I was talking to a coach in person the other day and this coach was mentioning how she needed to tell off um, a few of her clients and be really hard on them. And that got me thinking for about a week, like, do I mm. need to start telling mm. my clients off? Do I need to start being hard on them like this? And it, it came to my mind that these people are adults. They've probably got a boss in their own lives mm. or the self-employed like me and uh, a point where they're unemployable now. <laughs> and my thinking is that if you tell a client off, they're probably going to still repeat the same behaviors. They're just mm. not going to tell you about it. So, yeah. and again, I didn't put this um, in the script for this episode, but like, what would be some good tips for getting honesty from your clients and to get that mm. feedback that you can, not that you can trust, but that you can make 
proper changes with the the pertinent information for you? How can you get your clients to share that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a great question, and I think uh, I'll reiterate what I said earlier in that. I think when you first establish that sort of coaching client relationship and right from the get-go, and I don't always, always do that, but I, 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 I'm going to have an actual <laughs> form now of all these things that I sort of preempt them with. But I think one of those is just like, yeah, that health vulnerability, that, that honesty in just saying, yeah, it's okay. Like I'm not going to ever be angry with you for screwing something up, but you need to tell me so that we can work on that. And, and if we have that open, honest relationship, um, because you want it to be your fault. I remember somebody saying this years ago, Lee Peel, she said, like, you want this to be your fault because if you're doing literally, if you're ge- you know, genuinely doing everything as directed and you're still not seeing results, there's, there's something wrong with you physiologically, right? You're going to be studied by NASA because like, you know, you're, you, you're defying laws of, of physics and <laughs> thermodynamics. So yeah, I think just establishing that, like, like, look, you know, I, you know, we're coaching with empathy here and it, it's okay that if you come to me and you had a bad day, but I'm here to help you through that. And yeah, no, I, I, I might sort of, you know, press you a little bit on certain things. And I think just when we're, and, and I fall short of this sometimes too, when we're talking about, okay, what was your eating like? And just digging a little deeper. I think getting to that next step is always where you're going to find a little bit more information, right? Because uh, and that could be as simple as saying, okay, is there anything else? And that deeper question, that one more question can sometimes get so much more out of them, right? Because they'll kind of keep it surface <laughs> level. Sometimes they just don't want to deal with you right now. And like, you know, <laughs> and I tell them, look, I'm going to be a pain in your butt. And, and it's all going to be from a place of, of wanting you to do better because this is, I know you want this and I know you're capable of it. So I think we can sort of rise people to their potential without digging into them, if that makes sense. Yeah. What's, <laughs> it's always bad when that happens two minutes before the end of the session and maybe it's overrun and you've got to be away somewhere straight away it's like hold that Mm -hmm. thought for the next week and then we'll delve into that and then we know as coaches that we're going to be going to bed that night thinking about that and oh yeah like all the time and you know what that is it's it's so interesting to hear that like fat loss coaches PTs around the world uh, are taking their clients' results so personally. And mm. has that been something that's increased throughout your career or has, has it always been? Mm. Good question. I think I've always taken it seriously to some degree. And I think more now that I'm getting into the realm of online coaching and it's more to do with specifically fat loss coaching, like there's sort of, you know, as much as we I'm a huge believer in non-scale victories. And I do emphasize that with clients too. And that's a whole other sort of uh, rabbit hole of discussion, but yeah, I take it personally and probably too personally in some ways, right? Like if, if I, I see it as a failure on my, my part and, you know, I realize you, you can't save everybody as it were. I'm not here to save them. I'm here to empower them, but like, you know what I'm saying? I, I'm, I'm not here, you know, you can't, they have to do the work. And if they're not in a space where they can do the work, but then I always feel like, okay, what could I have done better? And I think having that reflective attitude, if, if, you know, a client sort of falls off the wagon, stops coaching with you. um, You know, I think having that moment of reflection where like, okay, what could I have done better is is always helpful as a coach and in terms of your own development, but not taking it too personally. And I'm still trying to find that balance to be completely like honest with you. And because I do like, I'm like, it, it, 
it, it does affect my mood if 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 somebody's f- feels like they're seeing results versus somebody that doesn't feel like they're seeing results, right? So you know, and we can frame it every way we want, and and I think and that's important too is just to say, okay, what are you you know you you're improving your health. You may not be seeing sort of the, the the needle move as much, but this is look at how much stronger you are. So there's always going to be something that they're improving at that's furthering their health. But yeah, no, for sure. I, I get it when the clients don't see those numbers they want and like with they feel that they're not getting the results. I, I definitely take that on board and I take it to heart. Can you imagine if you didn't feel like that, though? Like how bad yeah. that would be. Like, yeah, no, for sure. When you know that it's over as a coach. Like yeah. as soon as that problem is gone and there's no, yeah. oh, that person's really struggling. I can sleep soundly at night. That, that's when it's over. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, there, there is definitely a, a continuum there for sure. And I would never want to be that person either. And I feel like, yeah, there's two sides of that. I think you, you got to be, again, that you got to be easier on yourself. But also, I mean, that reflection too of, okay, what could, what, what was my part in that? It's like any relationship that I, you know, whether it's like a romantic relationship, you, if you're always like, oh, it's the, always the other person, right? Oh, you know, you've dated like 15 different people and it's always the other person. And the only sort of factor in this is you, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, so we have to, we have to take that honest look too, right? It's like, okay, you know, like if, because we're just saying, oh, the client just wasn't putting the work and they weren't, it's all their fault, right? We can't pass all that blame on them, right? And something that you posted up the the day that was a real wow moment to me was um, about the true meaning and the deeper meaning of flexible dieting. So, you know, people can think, well, yeah, we can eat Mars bars uh, and <laughs> just fill up our calorie quota for the day or whatever. But I just wonder if you could just go into what, and I know this is a huge question, but what flexible dieting truly means to you mm. and how you like to communicate that to your clients. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, we hear the word flexible diet, we think of like, if it fits your macros and it's a style of, of dieting that just emphasizes some flexibility, right? So what they call flexible restraint rather than rigid restraint. So it does mean, okay, there's not a single food is off limits, even though we want to moderate it a little bit more. And as long as, you know, we're, we're hitting different macros, we're hitting our protein and we're hitting our calorie targets, then, then we should see results. So uh, that's what we look at typically when we see flexible dieting, but flexible dieting has a big psychological component to it, to it as well. And I think that's what a lot of coaches might overlook and a lot of people that are taking on some form of dieting strategy overlook as well. So being psychologically flexible is looking at a victory as both, okay, hey, I lost two pounds this week or a kilogram, almost a kilogram, I'll say for everybody else. I'm in Canada. I use, I don't know why I'm using pounds, but we just, <laughs> that's my generation. Um, I don't know what stones are though. So sorry. Don't get, just don't ask me to calculate that. I mean, we, we oh, use please. stones and I still don't know what they are. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know that, they make no you know, sense. So the, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, yeah. So the two pound loss that, that that's a victory, but you know what else is a victory? I didn't lose any weight and I'm okay with that, right? So that's psychological flexibility. So just saying, okay, things didn't go my way. How can I frame this in a good way? What are my non-scale victories? What is my relationship with food? So that's what a a lot of this um, flexible dieting mentality comes from in terms of uh, a psychological perspective. Is like, how am I viewing food? Am I viewing this as the enemy, as 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 strictly calories, even though we might be tracking, you know, or am I looking at this as, okay, it's, Am I attaching some form of joy to this, right? Am I, am I able to eat this and enjoy 
the healthy eating, enjoy cooking, um, enjoy the process, or am I looking at this in a more of an obsessive way, right? So I think there, there has to be that flexible mindset, flexible psychology behind eating, just as well as the X's and O's macros component of it. Yeah, the alarm bells are definitely ringing when someone is attaching their self-worth to their ability to hit their calorie total, to, mm. the, to the letter, to hitting that same protein. And it's the, and it's the same with powerlifting as well. It's like, well, mm-hmm. I, I totaled 490 rather than 500. Does, so that means like I'm a bad person and knowing and mm. pivoting that needle and, and giving someone that psychological flexibility, tying in with flexible dieting is such a profound change and I think that goes into um, one of the final things I want to start talking about today which is transformational change and this has been something that since Mm -hmm. you posted this has been on the forefront of my consciousness and you talked about painful transformational change one I just wondered if and I don't need details on this but were there any big transformational changes in your life that put you onto the path that you're on now and how has that helped you with your coaching no it's a great question I love it um yeah no and and transformation does take some discomfort and pain for sure and I've I've been through different points of my life for sure that there's a transformation so you know failed marriage and 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 just like you know, other relationships that kind of fell by the wayside and just, yeah, just, I feel like I've had ups and then like crashes career wise. I feel like I'm doing well and that I'm not. So I've been personal training, as you said in the intro for over 20 years, but not all of that has been full time. Right. So I worked as, as a courier and, and, you know, I, I kind of felt like, oh man, am I, am I just like, am I going to be just a part-time personal trainer the rest of my life? And, and then, you know, I've had talks with various people and a, and a good friend and mentor of mine, just told me once because I'm like oh man I was on the cusp I'm like I'm starting to get a little bit busy with the training uh but you know this job is has stability I've got two young children right you know I'm I'm divorced it's just like my life feels like it's in shambles he's like quit quit tomorrow and I was like shocked by his advice and he's like yeah but he said you know what you think your is your safety net is actually what's holding you back. And that's always stuck with me. So that was like, you know, 12 years ago and I've never looked back from there. That doesn't mean I haven't struggled. That doesn't mean I haven't dealt with, you know, you know, heartbreak and loss or and what have you, but no, it, it just, it, it really did solidify with me that that was a calling. And, you know, I, I, I tell this to people all the time. I think I'm a, I'm a slow learner with a lot of this stuff, but I feel like I I'm in that space now where, you know, I'm able to learn and grow and just allow myself that, that growth and, and, and grace in, in that. So, yeah, but uh, so I would say, yeah, it was a long way to, way to answer that question. Sorry, but yeah, there was, there was several several sort of moments in, in, in points in my life where I felt like, okay, this is a, this was a turning point. And this is like a, you know, this gave me a, a, and I, I keep getting smacked over the head with these different things, you know, left, right, and center. And I think it's like, yeah, I got a lot to learn. And I, I, and I like that though. I like, I like knowing that I don't know anything. (laughs) I know a few things, but I I still have so much to learn. So it just gives me that, uh, yeah, that hunger to sort of keep growing and keep progressing and and fulfilling some of these uh, ambitious plans that, uh, that I have. So, yeah. One of, I think one of the best people in the fitness industry is uh, Mr. Jason Leenartz. And he, I was lucky enough to be on um, his podcast. He's been on mine and I heard it. Yeah. He's just, he's just a wonderful man. 
And one thing that he loves to do is use his blog and his social media to share his humanity and with mm-hmm. the stories that you just told. Will you tell those to clients as they're in the in the trenches with their struggles? Because like honestly, like it was a beautiful story what you just told, and I I, I just wonder if oh, that could, you, that's something that you do share with clients. Yeah, not, not enough, you know, and I have to admit, like, the, there is a sort of a piece of me that sort of shies away from vulnerability still, even though that's sort of trying what I'm trying to preach with the clients with the honesty and everything like that. But yeah, no, I feel like if there's a certain situation where, you know, clients struggling with something I've personally struggled with, because I don't want to say, oh, I know how you feel unless I actually do know how you feel, right? So it's like, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and, Overall, you know what it is, Chris. I mean, I look at my life and the totality of it and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty lucky. Like, you know what I mean? I have a roof over my head and I, you know, that's, a, a, you know, family I love, great friends, amazing girlfriend, like a, great kids. And it's just like, I think when I take stock of every single thing, like, you know, I, I, I really don't have a lot to complain about, but yeah, I think some of these pain points definitely make us human. And, and I think I could absolutely probably share more of that. Right. And I, and I, I strive to have Jason's sort of vulnerability and his just like, he just puts it out there and he's such an authentic dude, right? Like we both talked to him and he's, he's, he's such a great dude. So yeah, no, I, I, I could definitely learn a lot from that. And, uh, you know, talking with you now, that's good. It's given me inspiration to sort of share more of this stuff, but yeah, I think on the flip side, of that like there is definitely a sweet spot for that sharing like yep i'm sure because jason sharing all those same guys crushing hex bar deadlifts in in his group i doubt he's going well this is what i really struggled with this week just before they go for that big lift that there is there is no chance that they're (laughs) gonna get that there Um, that's true yeah and i think that's the mark of the good coach knowing like when Mm. to share that and the empathetic the sign of the empathetic coach is the one that's obsessing about like when to share that when is the right thing what is the right thing to say Mm -hmm. what's the wrong thing to say yeah 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 for sure I think yeah. that's exactly how I coach as well. Like it's like I'm talking to my uh, fat loss Canadian equivalent. I've like I've been smiling like so <laughs> much through this. It's been incredible. Um, so I think that's a, a really good place to start to talk about any like mentors in your life that you want to give a shout out to. Anyone that you just want to talk about. Anyone that people should be looking into more. Mike, the floor is yours, my friend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. And I haven't. Look, I mean, when I, t- I alluded to it earlier, that the fellow I was talking about who who mentored me, but his name's Brian Grasso. So I, you know, I don't I don't talk to him that much. But we every once in a while, he'll just like shoot me a message. He's one of these guys that will make you feel like a million bucks. And he's he's done you know really well. He's done a bunch of other stuff. He's entrepreneurial, but he's just such a genuine dude. And he's uh, yeah. So he runs coaching programs, and you know, he started off in the fitness industry like me. Went to school with him. But yeah, the our, our guy that we just mentioned, uh, Jason Leonard, he's awesome. Another one of your guests, Sumi Singh, she's great. She's uh, a, <laughs> she. Do you have Sumi on? Yeah, 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 I did. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, um, oh, I can't remember which one. Maybe eleven, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but she's she's, a legend. she's awesome, and she's always. You know, I, I, I and, uh, yeah, Mike Dola, who I just had a conversation with a couple of weeks ago. He's awesome. I mean, there's some, there's some great people out there, and you mentioned Andrew Coates before. He's he's an awesome dude, like Lee Boyce, he's just relaunched his site, like there's some really, really great, great coaches, and I'm, I'm, I'm missing like a whole lot of them right now, and I, I <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, there's some, there's some people I just, you know, I, you, you just learn, a, you just learn a ton from them every time, like 
they have something to say on their social media. Like you just, uh, yeah, like you just really gravitate towards it. And I, you know, I, I found myself too reading much less about fitness and nutrition, like the last six or seven years, my podcast, my interests have gravitated more towards the, the psychology aspect of things. So I, I listen to a lot of psychology podcasts. So, I mean, a lot of people I look up to are in that space now, like Scott Barry Kaufman, Wendy Wood, James Clear, those, those types of people are, are, are really uh, like BJ Fogg. Yeah, there's some, some really great ones there. Uh, in that space as well. Casey Joravitas is another one who's right, right into the mindset stuff. And, but yeah, there's, yeah, there's a lot of them. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, there's ton. I'm very lucky. I'm a very lucky uh, guy when it comes to like the amount of smart, smart colleagues I have. And, you know, you're yourself included in that, Chris. I mean, like I learned, you know, like there's so much uh, I, I can absorb from, from everybody and I'm, I'm very grateful for it. Speaking of um, transformative moments, it, as a fitness professional, when you realize how interconnected everything, that sounded wishy-washy, I didn't mean it to sound like <laughs> that, how transferable like the coaching skills are, how mm -hmm. interlinked all these industries are, how universal coaching is, it really opens, well, it's one, terrifying, and two, really enlightening when you realize that you could be listening to a podcast about ancient Egypt and mm. it teach you about how to be um, a better coach or if you yeah in a comedian live and, and and how they interact with the audience how that can make you teach classes oh, better. Like there was a, there's a comedian over in the, the UK that uh, my family really don't like but I do a guy called Stuart <laughs> Lee and okay um, the way that he interacts with the crowd really taught me how to be a a better yeah. personal trainer and like oh, it really awesome. opens up the eyes when you realize that you don't just need to be zoning on just fitness professionals and just those podcasts yeah. there is a whole world out there and that's no, absolutely so important to get curious yeah no for sure and i think yeah in the realm of like you know obviously fitness education two names like obviously jonathan goodman's one but Stuart aitken has been amazing too like so i listened to his podcast he's great the way he talks and like just his the way yeah he he, he interacts with his guests and, and the general public and i had a chance to i've had a chance to meet both of them and they're both great people in, in real life and but you know i met Stuart at the uh the same fitness conference where i met uh andrew coates and you know just a genuine guy really he's just a he's super interested in what you have to say and i had a great chance to be on his podcast a couple of years ago now, but um, yeah, no, but these, uh, there's a lot of people in that education space, but I love that idea of like getting things from comics and getting things from, and, and I'll, I'll try to infuse a little bit of humor in my, in my social media. So I'm definitely like inspired by, by the comics, but I love it. Like take realms from philosophy, take it from psychology and, and, and just stoic philosophy, like just, yeah, like, yeah, there's, there's examples everywhere and there's, there's, there's lessons everywhere. Uh, yeah, the, <laughs> I just keep thinking of the name uh, Bobson Dugnut, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, an uh, inside joke that nobody's going to get, but it's, yeah, it's really funny I, if you I'll, know I'll totally make about. that the cover of this um, episode. I think that'd be great. That's hilarious, yeah. 
<laughs> I need to go back and read that again. It's absolutely <laughs> wonderful. And it'll be yeah. in the show notes for everyone that's uh, Perfect, interested yeah. in that inside joke there. Uh, and yeah, you're right. I do have to mention that everyone at um, Lift the Bar, um, mm-hmm. Stuart Aitken's absolutely wonderful. Greg Slater truly has changed mm, my career. Yeah, Chris awesome. Burgess might be the nicest man yeah. that I've ever yeah. encountered in my entire life. Like I'm, I'm very engrossed in that whole community and the whole um, further education for any coaches listening get onto mm-hmm. the lift the bar educational platform it is mm-hmm. absolutely wonderful and i've been in this game like 15 years not quite 20 years like mike but i've been a member of lift the bar for like a year now and like truly the difference in my coaching is exponential mm. and is wonderful. yeah agree 100 massively off topic but mike i just yeah. wonder if you could let the listeners know where they can find out more information about you yeah so um Best to kind of find me on social media at Lean Minded on Instagram, Facebook slash Lean Minded, um, and then leanminded.com. Uh, but yeah, no, that's uh, thank you so much for for that. And um, yeah, look, look forward to interacting with people. Mike, thank you so much for being on. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate you very much. Thank you for listening to the Heavy Metal Strength Coach Podcast. 